welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. track back to a little bit earlier in the year we went through Matthew we did a sermon series going through the Sermon on the Mount and we are going to read some scripture from there um, to kind of bring our minds back to this place and hopefully uh, it's it's a significant amount of scripture we actually took one two three four five weeks to go through all of this in our sermon series Um, and so we're going to kind of uh, have our, our guest speaker today uh, show us how to live this out in in new light and from, from a new perspective. Um, and so hopefully that's helpful. So here we go. We're reading out of Matthew 5. We're going from verse 27 to the end. It's about a good 20 verses here. So let's hunker down, strap on your seatbelt. We're going we're gonna to go for a journey through the Bible here. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife Let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard it said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the son, his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. 
we confess this morning that we need your word. We need it in us. We need it to fill us. And so God, as, uh, as we come to your word this morning and as we uh, listen out to what you're doing in the rest of the world, would you just help form and, and change our hearts? I confess that uh, I myself, am, am, it's so easy for me to focus on what is right in front of me that it, and it's easier to forget the rest of the world. And, uh, and God, I need you to continue to open my eyes. God, we thank you for your forgiveness when, when we do do that. We just get so focused on here. God, help us to remember our enemies. Help us to love our enemies. Help us to pray for our enemies. And God, fill uh, Dr. Bashar with your spirit as he comes to speak to us this morning. May he say what you want to say. We bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me here today. And I'm, I'm really overwhelmed with the love, with the warm, uh, the way I was received. And thank you, Mike, and thank you, uh, everyone. What a joy, really, to be with brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. I come to you from Bethlehem, and uh, that's where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born. And Bethlehem today is a Palestinian city. I'm a Palestinian, and we love the Lord Jesus. And there are many Christians and many churches in the Bethlehem area. And they worship Jesus just like you do. But I was born in Jerusalem. And something happened to my family in the year 1948. We were living in Jerusalem. There was a war, and we were caught in the crossfire and uh, it was, uh, war is always terrible. There are killings. And so our father was shot and killed in that war. He was not a soldier, but a sniper shot him killed. And uh, so we had to bury our father. And uh, then later on, we became refugees. So we have to leave that area altogether and go to East Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem, uh, where uh, mother have taken us. And I was only nine years old, and my little sister, the youngest sister, was only six months old. And we were seven brothers and sisters. Can you imagine mother, no father, no income, seven of us, but something that kept my mother going is her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. She had great faith in Jesus. And she taught us, never revenge for the death of your father. Always love everybody. Love the people who killed your father and love everybody. Never look behind. Always look forward to better things. And if we truly, if we, if we keep looking behind at the bad times, we will never succeed in life. So we have to look forward, and that's what mother have taught us. And uh, I ended up in an orphanage school, so I tw 12 years with my brothers and sister, and the girls went to another orphanage school. So we had our share of suffering when we were very young. 
And uh, I had a chance to come to the United States and study. And then when I went back, they had me be the principal of a Christian school in Bethlehem area. So I was there for a number of years, beautiful school uh, for Palestinians, for those who are needy, particularly Muslims and Christians. We had chapel every day, and we have a sermon every day. It was just a beautiful, beautiful school. And uh, it was just amazing how God used this school to extend his kingdom around in the Bethlehem area. But I noticed something that disturbed me very much. None of the students were coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that one, one night I went and I prayed, I knelt down, and I said, Lord Jesus, what is happening? And the Lord Jesus was pointing to my heart. What I didn't know, that I have a heart full of hatred. And you understand why. Our father died, ended up in a school, orphanage school, away from mother, away from the rest of the family. So what I didn't know, I have so much hatred. And that's when I prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, forgive me for hating the Jews for doing all of these things to us. And at that moment, there was a transformation in my life. The Lord healed me from hate, put his love inside me, and filled me with his Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? We praise God for that. Next morning, I'll go to the chapel, the same Bishara. By the way, Bishara means good news. The same Bishara, I talked in the chapel, but they noticed something different in me. The Holy Spirit was working through me. And, and uh, a few weeks later, many of them will come to the Lord. Say, we want to accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior. It came to a point that there's so many of them, and some of them will say, we want to continue to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Where can we go after we graduate from the school? Well, that was amazing how God can really work things together. And uh, that's when the Lord gave me a vision. What we need in Bethlehem is a Bible college. So in a meeting of all the pastors and the church leaders, about 50 of them, I was sitting in the back and I came forward and I told all these fellows and church leaders, what we need in Bethlehem is a Bible college. I was surprised that they all agreed and they looked at me. You know what that means, you can do it. <laughs> and sure enough, that one of them, one of the pastors said, Bishara, you can do it. Another pastor, gave me a check, and he said, Bishara, you can do it here. So we had a vision. We have the agreement of the church people in Bethlehem area, and we have money. That check was for $20. <laughs> can you start a Bible college with $20? With the Lord Jesus, everything is possible. Everything is possible. And I said, okay, Lord, I will do it for you. Since I was the principal of the school, I used a classroom in the evening, and six students were interested. I looked around for uh, teachers. There was none among the Palestinians that have seminary degree. So I asked missionaries to come and help us. And they were very happy to come and help us teach. We went like this for two years. The Lord blessed us so much in these two years. Many people will come, open doors, World Vision, Christian Aid, and many others. They'll come and say, you are doing something good. We want to support you. 
Here's, here's a check, here's a check, here's a check. So we had enough money, we rented a place in Bethlehem. And after we rented that place, I found out that place became too small in, in a short time. The Lord blessed us, we needed a library, we needed this, we needed that. So in 1990, I was walking around Bethlehem, I saw three buildings that have been empty for over 10 years. I said, wow, this is the right place for Bethlehem Bible College. And I talked to the people who were in charge of it. There used to be a school for the blind, Helen Killer Homes for the blind. They moved to Jerusalem and they left the building empty. So when I approached them, I asked them, can we use these buildings for the Bible College? They said, no way, these buildings are for sale. And we know you don't have the money. I went home, not disappointed, but I know who has all the money, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I prayed, and one day I was passing by this building in my car. I put my car, you know, I parked, and I said a prayer, Lord Jesus, I thank you for these buildings. You are going to give them to us. It worked. <laughs> On September 1st, I never forget that because it's my birthday, these English people, and you know, you know how hard the English people are, they came with the keys, they said, Bishara, here are the keys for the buildings, you can use the buildings free of charge. Isn't that God? Only God can do that. And we used the building free of charge for six years. Isn't that amazing? Three buildings. That is, yeah, sure, wow, yeah. Uh, after six years, the, you know, the society, English society came and said, we want our money. Oh, you have one month. But we have raised money, we put it aside, but we needed half a million dollars more. And during that time, I was in England with a man called Brother Andrew. I don't know if you heard of Brother Andrew. He is with Open Doors Ministries. He started Open Doors. And uh, Brother Paul Esterbrook here has been the head of Open Doors Canada for a number of years. Out there you have a book called Light Force by Brother Andrew. And he talks about uh, many things in this, in this book. And he, he befriended us and befriended the Bible College. He believed in the ministry of the Bethlehem Bible College. And I told him as we were visiting, Brother Andrew, we need half a million dollars. He shook his head, didn't say anything, but he took me to a friend, and his friend sells vegetables for the supermarkets. And uh, his friend uh, and I were visiting, and he, ha he has tough questions for me. He said, in Bethlehem, the Jews and the Arabs are fighting, killing each other. Nobody wants to invest money in Bethlehem. I said, you are right, but you are training young people to be leaders and pastors for the churches. I said, yes. He, he bent down, wrote a check, gave it to me, half a million dollars. I'm not a fundraiser, as you have seen. I'm an orphan boy. But God can use me, and God can use you, and God can use anybody, as long as we have faith and we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, I just want to share with you a few verses from uh, this uh, chapter five of Matthew. I like this chapter very much because Jesus have written all of these things. 
Uh, I want to emphasize in this chapter when Jesus said, take the second mile, take the second mile. Uh, it's amazing how the Bible really is telling us so many things that we are to do. But Jesus came with something very unusual and something very strange to our, to our ears. Our Lord Jesus came with the really very unusual teachings. Love your enemy. Oh, wow. How could we love our enemy? Turn the other cheek. Can we turn the other cheek? I wonder how many of you, if, if you get slapped, you'll just turn the other cheek right away. The reaction that you have would not allow you to do, to, to do that. Pray for those who persecute you. And you know, taking a second mile is really very important. It's doing the unusual. You know, I mentioned uh, this book and I mentioned Brother Andrew. Brother Andrew have taken a second mile. A few years ago in Palestine, the Israeli government, the soldiers deported 400 people, Palestinians, to the mountains of Lebanon and just dropped them there and left them there. Most of them were Muslims. They thought all of them were Muslims. And they thought all of them were terrorists. Some of them were Christians by mistake. Israelis just picked them up from their homes and just dumped them into, into the uh, mountains of Lebanon. When Brother Andrew in Holland heard this, something happened in his heart. He said, this is not right. This is, this is not fair. And he went to visit them to, in the mountains of Lebanon. And he was there for a number of days with them. And he distributed Bibles to all of them. And they took the Bibles. If you know a Muslim, they take the Bible, they'll kiss it, and then they put it on the side. And uh, then he told them he's going to Bethlehem. And many of them said, would you take a picture to our family? Would you, would you do this? Take this video, take this picture. And I had a bunch of pictures and with Brother Andrew. We went from home to home giving, uh, you know, telling these people about their loved ones who are dropped in the mountains of, of Lebanon. Two years later, the Israeli allowed this because of international pressure, allowed these people to come back. And then Brother Andrew called me. He said, the Israeli allowed them to come back. I have invited all of them to your Bible college for a meal. I said, welcome. 400 people, welcome. Why not? Muslims, welcome. And uh, so, but Israel allowed them to come back, but they allowed them to go only to their cities and they were under city arrest. But we have beautiful meetings in their city. And I translated for Brother Andrew, he gave them the salvation message and we gave Bibles to their loved ones also. You know, he have taken a second mile. He didn't have to do that. The whole world heard about these 400 people. Another thing Brother Andrew did, he found out in China they need Bibles. 
And so he had a little Volkswagen that's way back, you know, this little Volkswagen, and he was hiding the Bibles in the Volkswagen and will take them to China. Later on, he wrote a book called God Smuggler. You know, he used to smuggle Bible. And that's taking a second mile. Because if, the, if he's caught, he will be in trouble. And uh, here, Brother Paul, he knows about this because he is part of Open Doors Ministries here in, in the United States. And he was with him at one time. Another time, they had a million Bibles for China. Can you imagine? But taking a second mile sometimes is necessary. We need to take a second mile to really present the Lord Jesus Christ. The second mile to me is a mile of a blessing. It's a mile of satisfaction, a mile of peace. The second mile is a mile of courage. At the time of Jesus, the land over there was under the Roman occupation. The Romans were occupying. Roman soldiers were everywhere. And now... The, uh, the Palestinians under the Israeli occupation. So the Israeli army are everywhere. And if you go and visit, you will find people with arms and so on, because we are under Israeli military occupation. But the time of Romans, there was also a rule. A Roman soldier can order any young man, come here, carry my things. He has to obey him or else. Now notice the, how much humility in doing this. Why should I carry your things? You are a young man too. You can carry your own things. But by law, you are to obey him and carry his things. Imagine this man at the end of the day will go home. He is so frustrated, so angry. He may take it on his wife and children. But then Jesus comes around to say, don't take him only one mile. Take him two miles. Jesus, what's going on here? One mile is a humiliation enough to, to have to take him two miles. But Jesus always wanted the best for us. And please believe that. He always wanted the best for us. He wanted us to bless us. He wanted us to, to take the second mile because for me, it is a mile of blessings. And for me, when I, when I look at the soldier and I say, okay, I'm not going to take you only one mile. Jesus said, I'll take you two miles, but I want to take you all the way home. Why not? And I look at that soldier, started talking to him. I treat him as a human being, even though he did treat me as a human being. I start visiting with him. Mister, what is your name? Do you have children? Do you have family? You, you are blessed by talking to the enemy and by really uh, getting satisfaction inside you. And when you go home, home at the end of the day, you can say to yourself, I did it. This is courage. It takes courage many times to take a second, a second mile. So Jesus came and asking us today and every day always to take a second mile. Take the story of the Good Samaritan, for example. Here's a man, half dead. The two religious people left him and went the other way. They have nothing to do with him, and they are the ones that are supposed to help him. They are religious people. But the Samaritan, who is an enemy, suddenly stopped. He saw him. 
He came closer to him. He understood his situation, and he did what he can and gave him medicine, took him to an inn, and told the innkeeper, take care of him, spend as much as you need. When I come back, I will pay you back. That's taking second mind. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that at all. And many times we need to take a second mile. Talk to people that nobody wants to talk to. Pray with somebody that uh, everybody is ignoring. Take always a second, a second mile. So Jesus took a second mile by leaving heaven and coming to be with us. Isn't that amazing? He didn't have to do it. He, he left his glory and came down to be with us. And he died on the cross for us so that we can have salvation. <clears throat> By the way, Jesus did not uh, impose a religion on us. Later on in the history of the church, followers of Jesus were called Christians. It was later on. But what, we imposed, what he imposed on us is moral value. Moral value. And that's what we need to emphasize to each other. Have moral value that the world these days have been putting aside and not really concerned about moral values. Uh, let me give you an example. In the war of 1967, over there in that land, there was a big war. And the Israeli won that war and killed so many people. And uh, they asked a rabbi who is, uh, you know, the Israeli religious uh, high uh, person, and said, the Bible tells us very clearly in the commandments, thou shalt not kill. How come your soldiers are killing all the time? And the rabbi said, yes, yes, of course, thou shalt not kill, but thou shalt not kill a fellow Jew. It doesn't matter if he's not a Jew. You see how people, how the world look at situations? Jesus came and said, you are to love this person. You are to show him the love. And if you love a person, there's no way you want to kill him. So this is the message that the Lord Jesus Christ and the value that he had for us. In, uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we have moral values about the Lord Jesus Christ. I Jesus have always taught us to be kind to one another, to love each other, to respect each other, to have self-control, which means you have, we need to take this second mile, to forgive each other, to have peace, inner peace and peace with the world around us, and accepting, accepting each other. And that is really very important, to accept people, Sometimes we need to take a second mile to accept Jesus. Jesus taught us in, uh, in the Bible a beautiful prayer. And that prayer is the Lord's Prayer, you all know. A beautiful prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Um, one thing that really struck my mind is, why did he pray and he asked us to pray in the plural? Did you know that? He, he prayed in the plural. Uh, why did he do that? Our Father, our Father, give us, plural, 
Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. I think there's a message in that because when we pray our Father, we include the family, the people around us, the church people, the community, and we are to include, include also uh, our country, beautiful Canada, and we also, also need to include the whole nations of the world. And that is the message and the mindset of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray our Father. So we have to pray our Father in the plural and think about other people and not just about ourselves. And that is really, I think that is really a beautiful. This includes the family and include all the people in the world. So I'm, I wanna ask you to pray for the Palestinians, pray for the Palestinian church. Think about us, we are thousands of miles away from you, but we still need you and we still need each, each other. And how can I pray our Father give us this day our daily bread when we know somebody somewhere in Africa is dying because they don't have enough to eat? So we need to include all the people of the world when we pray our Father. And that is a, that is a great challenge for all of us. At, and that is taking a second mile, actually, to, to pray our Father give us today our daily bread. In Jesus Christ, there is no people that are less than other people. He loves the black, he loves the white, he loves the yellow, he loves everybody. And uh, the church also should reach out and love everybody regardless of. And sometimes we measure people in different ways, but we need to always seek the Lord Jesus Christ when we, me when we measure people. Luke chapter four talks about the Lord Jesus Christ was in the synagogue in Nazareth. They gave him the book to read, and he read these verses. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the oppressed. He had only three years, Jesus, do his ministry. And this, this is a summary of his three years. So, where is his focus? On the oppressed, on the poor. And that's where we as Christians, we need to put our focus on those who are marginalized in the world in which, in which we live. So we need to help people whenever we can. At the Bethlehem Bible College, we have a society we created. It is called the Shepherd Society. And the Shepherd Society helped the poorest of the poor in the community. And uh, Muslims come to the Bible College, to the Shepherd Society. They receive aid, they receive money if they need money, they receive food uh, baskets if they, need, if they need that, and if they need uh, us to pray for them, we can pray also, also for them. We are taking a second mind. Not only that, the Shepherd Society have been sending groups of people to Amman, Jordan, to the Jordan government, the Jordan, the country. Uh, that's where all the refugees are, the Syrian refugees and the Iraqi refugees, and they minister to them. And they come back with great news and great results of people coming to the Lord 
and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus cares about the poor, about the refugees. I have a brother who, who, who lives in Maryland in the United States, and uh, he runs International Advocate Program, Youth Advocate Program. And uh, he heard about what is happening in uh, New Mexico, where the children are separated from their parents. And he said, there's something I can do. So he took a second mile, and he had about 100 people, pastors and others, and they went over to the borders, and he talked to the mothers, and uh, he, they gave talks, and they were on the news all the time, objecting to what is happening. And Christians, when they see injustices, we need to do something about it. In James 1.27, we read, religion from God, our Father, uh, except is pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and, the distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that's what we need, really. We need to take a second mile to help people who are in distress, whether they are orphans or, or anything else. Uh, I had a chance to go to India, and I visited many places in the world. God uh, opened, you know, since being the uh, principal of a Bible college. In India, I visited uh, Sister Teresa. I'm sure you heard all of you of Sister Teresa. She was taking the poor people, sick people from the streets, bringing them in and taking care of them. While I was there, a journalist was talking to Sister Teresa, and he told her, what you are doing, there's no way I can do. And Sister Teresa said, I cannot do it either. And uh, he said, but you are doing it. I saw you. She said, no, no. Jesus in me makes me do it. And when Jesus is really, truly is in us, we, we can do the impossible. We can do the second mile. And he is with us to proceed to take the second mile. But whatever we are, I gave credit to my mother, which I told you earlier, that she was a truly uh, a saint, and she was sent from God, and she had so many things that have taught us about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a chance to go to Fresno, California, to seminary, uh, because I didn't have seminary. And, uh, and, and sure enough, in, in seminary, I was visiting with my uh, wife and children and uh, talking Arabic. When this old woman came to us, she said, oh, I hear you talk Arabic, I talk Arabic too. And she said, I was a missionary in Jerusalem. We told her we are from Jerusalem. And she said, I'm really disappointed. No one became a believer while I was at this girl's school. For 40 years, I have been praying for this girl at that school. I wonder what happened to Huda. What she didn't know, Huda is our mother. And she was praying 40 years for my mother. She didn't know that she had, she had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I asked her, are you Mrs. Brown? She said, yes, how did you know? She said, mother have always taught us. She became a believer because of Mrs. Brown, a missionary. And you are the one. It's just amazing. It's amazing how God have used mother and she have taken the second step, the third step, and have helped people, Muslims and Christians. And we always have, like a church in our home, always people, children are coming and singing and so, and, and so on. 
One day, my, my sister, Nordis' mother, get out of bed. And she left. She dressed and she left. My sister did not think about it because my mother is a nurse in a hospital. And uh, an hour later, mother came back and went to bed. Next morning, a little girl came to the hospital asking for mother. Mother came to her and said, who are you? What are you doing here? Get out of here. This is a hospital. And the girl looked at her in a big surprise. She said, you don't remember me? Mother said, no, who are you? I don't remember you. I've never seen you before in my life. You were at, a ho at our home last night. No, I wasn't at your home. Yes, you were. No, I wasn't. She said, you prayed for my mother. And the Lord healed her. And mother sent me here to ask you to come and eat with us tonight. She cooked for you. Mother does not remember anything. The Holy Spirit woke up mother, took her to this home, prayed for this lady. Mother came back. She does not remember anything. God is alive. The Holy Spirit is with us. Try and take the other mile all the time. And may the Lord bless you all. Amen. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing that with us. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing your life and your stories and, and just giving us another perspective. Um, guys, as we, as we respond um, to the word and to uh, what God may have been speaking to you um, in the spirit this morning, we're going to come and we're going to take communion. Um, and it was just so, so powerful what you were saying about the, the second mile. That first mile is what someone has asked you to do already. But that second mile is the mile where you get to be a blessing to that person and to the world. And we really want to be that church. How many times in the workplace does our boss ask us to go even half a mile and we don't, we don't, we don't even go half a mile? How many times uh, does our spouse ask us to go a mile and, or, and maybe we, don't, we only go half a mile or we don't go any miles or maybe we just do the one when we could have gone two? We could have gone two. And so for those moments, if God has brought some of those, um, stirred some of those things up for you, this is our moment where we get to repent and trust in Jesus and receive forgiveness and continue to move forward in grace and in blessing. Um, and, uh, and for all of us to celebrate that Jesus went the second mile for us. It was just so awesome how he said, Jesus, sec he didn't have to, but his second mile, his whole life was just blessing. His whole life was the second mile. And so let's remember that this morning as we come together for communion, that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed. So the, as the worship team um, prepares to lead us in worship, we respond. Um, let's put ourselves in that posture this morning that we are to be a church the second mile. And let's celebrate at the table as a family together. Let me pray for us. God, prepare our hearts for the table. God, thank you for making us family. So many times we haven't gone the second mile and we could have, we could have blessed, we could have loved. But Jesus, we need you in us. We need you in us to go that second mile. Make us a church that goes the second mile. As we remember you this morning, Spirit, 
convict us. Spirit, give us joy. Spirit, help us to move forward, not in condemnation, but in new life. We can be that church. And may the city take notice and be transformed because we are obedient to go to the second mile, just like you. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.